This is episode 284, featuring two listeners who work unconventional jobs and how they make training work with their demanding schedules. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode features two listeners who work unconventional schedules. It can be hard to train well if you work two jobs, long hours, or a combination of both. We'll hear from a nurse and a runner who works in logistics who are able to prioritize their running goals despite these challenging work schedules. Here on the Strength Running Podcast, I help you better understand the process of improvement. Because when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. Feel free to connect with me anytime through the Strength Running YouTube channel, on Instagram at JasonFitz1, or our home base, strengthrunning.com. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and our suite of training programs that focus on specific topics like injury prevention, weightlifting, direct coaching from me, and more. Learn more about those at strengthrunning.com slash coaching. And I'm very excited to introduce you to Prevenex. I have never partnered with a supplement company until now. Prevenex is, in my view, the best. They only use the most bioavailable, clinically tested ingredients, the optimal form and dose of each ingredient, pharmaceutical-grade manufacturing, testing of both raw ingredients and finished products, And for every purchase you make, they donate vitamins to kids in need. It's a supplement company that's voluntarily putting themselves under more scrutiny and holding themselves to higher standards. One great example that I know runners will love is their joint health product. The main ingredient is clinically proven to reduce joint pain, reduce joint stiffness, and improve joint flexibility in just 7 to 10 days, which is kind of unheard of. Beyond that, it's also clinically proven in double-blinded, placebo-controlled studies to protect joint cartilage from breaking down during exercise. Get 15% off your order with code JASON15, it's not case-sensitive, at Prevenex.com. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com with code JASON15 for 15% off your order. We're also supported by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes AG1. I love this stuff. It's the most popular greens mix available on the market today with 75 vitamins and minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, antioxidants, and adaptogens. To make taking control of your health even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Jason, and you can choose from a single purchase or a monthly drop to make this part of your ongoing nutrition plan. See all the details at athleticgreens.com slash Jason. Okay, our show today is for all the runners who might work unconventional schedules, work long hours, or otherwise struggle to train for their goals amidst all their other obligations. I know you're going to learn a lot from Daryl and Tom. Daryl, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I've been so excited for this. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a little bit of like uh, uh, invite the listeners onto the show to talk about their wild and wacky work schedules and how they make their training work with their work schedules. So um, I think this is going to be really helpful for those runners who don't have that typical nine to five schedule. So Daryl, can you maybe paint us a picture of 
uh, your work schedule and, and the demands it has on your time? Absolutely. Um, and also I can guarantee you, I'm probably the slowest runner you've ever had on this podcast. I always say I run slow as a turtle running through peanut butter. So, um, I think even just giving that it's an honor to be here, but <laughs> so my work schedule, um, I work three 12 hour shifts a week and it really ends up being more of a 13 hour shift. I am an oncology nurse. So I work with cancer patients in a hospital setting and, um, I, it varies week by week what days I do. So three in a rows are typically pretty brutal. So I try not to do them. But if I've got an event or something, I was at a wedding this last weekend. So for example, last week I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And so I'll get up at five in the morning and leave the house by 530-ish and get to work at 630 and start my day. And then I'm typically off. You don't always know when you're going to get off as early as 7.15 and as late as 8. <laughs> so I'm typically home by about 8.30, sometimes 8.45. And I go right to bed. Sometimes I eat a little something. I, I try to eat a little bit before bed. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm ravenous after 13 hours. <laughs> but um, uh, this week, for example, last week I did a three in a row. I had a few days off to help my friend prep for her wedding. And then this week I was Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. So that's, it's always three days, but it varies. And I typically get to pick my schedule a few weeks in advance and they'll, they'll shift me around as needed, but yeah, that's, that's how my schedule goes. <laughs> so you really have no extra room for much of anything else in your schedule because you also have a, a decent commute into work. It sounds like, right. It's, it's probably 30 to 60 minutes somewhere in that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. It's about 35 minutes and it's roughly 35 miles, I think. So it's like 35 to 40 minutes. I leave early enough in the morning that there isn't traffic, thankfully. And I come home late enough that there, I also miss that traffic. <laughs> yeah. So you're certainly dealing with a challenging schedule. Um, I, I agree with you. I think those three days in a row is just absolutely brutal. You are living and breathing your work. You really can't um, worry about running on, on those kinds of days. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your past training with this kind of a schedule. So you recently uh, messaged me and you you asked me a couple questions about your schedule. You recently ran a race, right? I did. I just finished the Disney World half marathon. That was my first half marathon. And I, I mean, I went couch to half marathon. So along the way, I did a 5K and a 10K, but that was my first half marathon. And I definitely plan on doing more. <laughs> Well, congratulations, your first half. That's very exciting. Um, how did you approach training when it comes to your work schedule? Because I, I know you're actually working with uh, a coach right now. I think that's fantastic. And, you know, you obviously need a fairly flexible training schedule to, to jive with your work schedule. So explain a little bit about what your training looked like around your work schedule. Yeah. So Chris, my coach, Chris Trio is his name and he is excellent. He has been fabulous. Um, and he's the one that got married this weekend too. <laughs> so that's been super fun. But, um, yeah, we did not necessarily plan either on this whole training thing. I had told him on a double date with he and his now wife and my husband and I, I had said, Oh, when I get on day shift, I want to learn to run at the time I was on night shift. <laughs> and, um, 
he, I was like, I really want to run just for lifestyle purposes. I read born to run and got on that train like everybody else did. And obviously I see the effects of not working out and not being active. And, um, he was like, well, can I help you? And I said, yeah, can I pay you? And he said, you can feed me. I was like, I can definitely do that. So whenever I see them, I bake muffins or cookies or something, which is a wonderful trade-off. And I told him, I was like, are you going to ditch me after this half marathon? Because this has got to be insane making a schedule around this. And he was like, no, are you kidding me? If I do professional coaching, you're my guinea pig. So it's a really cool trade-off. But your muffins must be really good, I have to say. They are. I actually use Shalane's yeah. cookbook. There you go. <laughs> I use Shalane's Lanigan's cookbook and her superhero muffins are just to die for. They're amazing. And I use her trail mix breakfast cookies. So those also are amazing. Um, but so the training schedule itself, it's a little background on how I got a coach. <laughs> but um, my schedule itself, so it has to be really flexible, obviously. So I would text Chris the days that I could run. Or sometimes I would just be like, here's the days that I work. Um, I need at least one of those days off because the thing we're running into is that, (laughs) pun intended, the thing we're running into is that I walk about four to six miles a day during my work day. And even if I'm not walking, I'm standing the whole time in patient rooms. So I got that lactic acid burn at the end of every day. And um, so I always requested one day off it's like, can I, can I have one day where I'm not running? So that only leaves three days to run. And so he would tell me at first, he said, move for 15 minutes. That's all I want you to do. Just move. I don't care how much you run or walk, just move for 15 minutes. And eventually I was able to work up and obviously get through that. And then we did the whole 5% increase. So I've, I started that last January, January, 2022. And over the course of a year, about, oh gosh, I want to say March or April, my father-in-law who's done so many half marathons and plenty of marathons. Um, he has, he talked me into running Disney with my husband too. So the three of us just finished running, but so I was only, I was doing three days a week, pretty much the entire time. So for the entire last year, it's been, okay, here's my work schedule. Here's the days I have to work with. And some days it does require a lot of flexibility where I'll tell him, I am so fried from yesterday. You know, yesterday I I never sat down or I didn't get a lunch, you know, so I didn't eat for 13 hours and I'm supposed to go into a long run. Or in the summertime, I live in Texas and it's crazy hot. We live basically on the sun. So (laughs) having to get up crazy early to do those workouts and after I'm already getting up at 5 a.m. on my regular days, that was a lot. So the ba- the basic structure was three days a week, but it had to be really flexible just with all of that. So I'm so sorry if that was a lot of side tangents, but to, to answer your question in a very long-winded way. No, it's helpful to understand the context that all this is happening in. And I completely agree. If you're on your feet for 12 hours a day and you're walking a lot in addition to that, the next day, it's going to be really hard to get up at, you know, five, six in the morning to get in your run before it gets super hot. So you're you're not dealing with a, a great schedule conducive to training for, for longer races, particularly. But um, tell me about the half. So this was not only your first half marathon, but 
you kind of started with running as like a general lifestyle health. I want to be healthy kind of a thing. And now you're training for races. I love it. Everyone gets bitten by the running bug (laughs) eventually. Right. So how'd the half go? Okay. I loved the distance itself. The distance, like, let me add them. I want to do it again. Now I'm like, Ooh, now that I've done a half, I know I can do hard things. Can I do a marathon? (laughs) Um, but I really enjoyed it. The Disney part wasn't my favorite personally, because there were so many people and, you know, I trained the race to run it. I, you know, my longest run beforehand was 11 miles. I felt like I was sufficiently prepared. Um, and obviously having to figure out breakfast the morning of was really interesting because we had to get up at two 30 and go straight to the buses by three <laughs> to, to get to the corrals. And so we're, we're at the Disney area where there's concerts and everything, you know, the whole chilling beforehand. We're there by about three 15 and it's, it was about two to three miles of a walk to the corrals. And that was a little rough. Yeah. That was really interesting from where the shuttles dropped us off. And then all the walking you had to do to the corrals, which was at in the Epcot parking lot. And it was in some little back lot of the Epcot parking lot. And I didn't realize that you had to submit a prior race time in order to get in an earlier corral. So I could have submitted my 10K time. Um, But that just went right past my husband's and my mind's. So my father-in-law was in Corral C, we're in Corral E, and it only went to F. (laughs) So there were 16,500 runners out that day. (laughs) And we're we're back with the run walkers in like maybe the 13,000 people. Nothing wrong with run walking at all. But one, because there were so many people, the race was supposed to start at five. We had to be at the corrals at four. So we did not start till six because they were trying to get all the people out. So I've already walked three miles at that point and been on my feet for two hours. How do you train for that? I I never was able to train for that. So I was already frustrated. (laughs) I don't know, Daryl, you, you're, you're an oncology nurse. It seems like you've been training for it for the last year. (laughs) I think so. That's that's a good point. (laughs) That is true. And of course, I didn't realize that they do the whole throwaway shirt thing where you take a throwaway shirt because it's kind of cold to the start line or a throwaway jacket. And then you shrug it off when when the race starts and then they pick it up and donate them to charity. I didn't know that. So I had checked my jacket and it was about 50 degrees, perfect running temperature, but for standing for two hours in a tank top and shorts, not so much. So I'm freezing. And by the time the race started, I'd burned through my food for the morning because I thought I was going to be halfway into the race at that point. So I, I was starving and I was cold and I had been on my feet. So my feet were already starting to hurt a little bit. Oh my gosh. So I was like, how is this going to happen? And it was for the most part, one lane, like a road race. It was one lane. And I'm with all the people that are running for 45 seconds, walking for 45 seconds, which nothing wrong with that, but there was no room for all of us. So my time was so much slower than I expected and based on my training times because there was no room to run the whole thing. And then by mile eight and a half, I took a gel early because I was like, I'm already hungry at the beginning. So thank God I packed an extra gel and I, I took it pretty much right away within the first mile. 
But by mile eight and a half, my feet started hurting really badly. And I was so frustrated because I was like, this was so preventable. I did not train for this part. Oh my gosh. I was so frustrated. And I, you know, mad at oncology nursing that it didn't train me well for that. (laughs) But, um, so I had to walk at that point. I was so frustrated. I was like, this is hurting my feet so bad. And we were going up a freeway on ramp where, um, the road curved and I have flat feet because I'm from Los Angeles. I lived at the beach in our flip-flops all the time. So pretty much everyone has flat feet around there. But it's hard when you're, you know, you're running on tilted concrete and my feet were already hurting. So I had to walk. So I walked about eight and a half for probably 0.4 miles, which is the longest I think I've walked in training, at least in the last six months. And then um, I walked once again at mile 11 for maybe two minutes. So it was, it did not go as planned, but I think that's a really good lesson for the next time. I think no matter what goes wrong in the next one, I can be like, I've dealt with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, every race is not going to go exactly according to whatever perfect plan you've dreamed up in your head. But, (laughs) you know, I I think all in all, this sounds like a, a pretty, a pretty normal first half marathon experience. I mean, you were running a fairly long race for the first time ever. Uh, And it was a Disney race, you know, Disney races, you're going to have a little bit more logistics, a little bit more hoopla around the race. It's it's not like your normal local half marathon. Yeah, which I should have expected. And silly me, I did not. They had said there would be characters at every mile. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm not going to stop for that. I'm training to run it. But I didn't realize that the race is really more made for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, at the same time, it was also your first half marathon. And even with all that adversity of having to wake up at 2.30 in the morning, having to be on your feet for all that time, starting the race a little bit hungry, you finished the race and you successfully did your first half. Um, So I think what that tells me is that you were effective with your coach at structuring your training in a way that was going to get you prepared. And you did exactly that. So I want to talk a little bit about sort of your schedule, some things that could maybe make it better, some things that I think you're doing great that you should continue, um, you know, because there's no perfect answer to this kind of situation. Uh, You are clearly in a high stress job and, and that stress isn't just psychological or mental. It's also physical. You're on your feet for a very long time. You're walking a lot during the day. And so just like you're, you're noticing during the training process, the next day you need some recovery time. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, a couple of just very basic things that I think would, would be great is number one, when you can really dominate your sleeping, like that is where your recovery is coming from. And, and you need to be recovering, not just from your training, but also from your work. And I think that's an important like thing to remember is that, I'm not just sleeping a lot because I'm training for a half marathon. I'm sleeping a lot because my work is demanding and that's injecting a lot of extra stress into my training program that, you know, is different. You know, the same thing is if you're having relationship drama, if you're having a lot of stress at work, I mean, all of this kind of stress is stress and it's going to affect you hormonally in a similar way as other types of stress. So we have to just keep that in mind as we're focusing on our recovery. Um, I think the magic is going to really happen when you have two days off in a row. 
Because that first day off, you're still sort of recovering from your, your, your work. I think it'd be helpful to either do some cross training on that day after you've slept in, of course, or just go for a short run. You know, I'm talking 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes if, if you've got some extra energy. But uh, moving to four days per week is going to unlock a lot of extra fitness for you. But it doesn't have to be an extra fourth day of hard training we don't have to do that. We could just put an easy three, four, five miles on the schedule and you can do it when you can that day. Of course, it's going to be hard if it's really hot because you probably have to wait until much later in the day when the sun isn't so strong. But maybe that means you can get in a nap earlier in the day and you're super fresh going into that evening run the day after your your work day. And then two days after your work day, that's when you can actually do your more substantial workouts. That's where I think you can do your long run and any kind of faster training session that you're doing, some kind of workout, tempo run, hills, fart like, you know, whatever it might be, you know, those are the days where, where, where that can be. Um, I don't think you should train on the days that you're working. Not only do you not really have time, you would have to sacrifice sleep to do that. And I think you're already on your feet and walking around enough that it's just going to be too stressful for you. And you're just likely going to be dealing with a much higher risk of injury for that kind of a schedule. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And um, honestly, so here's the thing. I am not a napper. I, I enjoy the sleeping part and I love sleep so much. Oh my gosh. I am, I am that person that will leave any event or you know, leave anything, stop any plan, turn down any plan to get my eight hours of sleep because I don't nap. But after the half marathon, of course I did because getting up at two 30 in the morning, I was like, I'm going to need a nap no matter what. Um, but that might, that you make a good point that that might be something that's actually beneficial on the day after work. That might actually make a lot of sense. And something interesting enough is that we didn't really do any cross training. I think one, because I mean, for this training cycle, we didn't do any, I think one, because I was walking so much in my job that it was like, technically, I don't really have any rest days. That was cross training, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, I think just by the time we thought about it, I had already been training for so long that it was like, do we, do we risk messing that up, I think so close to a race or maybe, maybe next cycle we'll try. Like I love cycling. I think that would be something that's really cool for cross training. I would love to get into that. Um, yeah. So I definitely think this time I want to be a more balanced runner. I think, I mean, I've listened to your podcast enough. I know that would prevent injuries and (laughs) I want to do this for life. So that would definitely help that. So definitely make some good points. (laughs) And I did one day for the training cycle, one speed day, and then my long run day. So maybe yeah, I'm making sure the easy days are after a work day. Yeah, you could certainly do that. And when it comes to that nap, uh, I'm the same way. I'm not a good napper. One thing that you can try is not putting yourself under the pressure of saying, I, I, I have to take a nap today because I worked yesterday. I've got a, a short run later in the day. I just want to be more rested What you can do instead is just set like a 20 or 30 minute timer and lay down with your eyes closed and just be like, I'm not napping. I'm just resting my eyes for 20 or 30 minutes. Half the time, you're probably going to fall asleep anyway. And (laughs) there you go. There's your little nap. Um, But just taking the pressure off of yourself 
because this happens to me all the time. Like I need a nap, I'm tired. And then I lay there wondering why I'm not going to sleep because I know I only have like this 45 minute window to get in a little bit of a nap. So if you can remove that pressure, it's almost like, you know, that mental roadblock is eliminated and you've just cleared your head and you can kind of just drift off. Even if you don't actually go to sleep, that is a valuable piece of rest and recovery during the day. And I think that's much better than nothing. So you can try that for your nap. Don't worry if you're not napping, but even just closing your eyes for 20 to 30 minutes is enormously helpful. And then to speak briefly about cross-training, I think you could use cross-training a couple different ways with your schedule just to get more out of your training. So for example, if it, if you find that it's too much to go for a run the day after you work, so your, your legs are just fatigued, especially if you've worked two, maybe three days in a row, maybe your legs are just too tired to actually go running, but uh, going on your bike might be a, a reasonable alternative. That might be a great compromise because there's no pounding, there's no impact, there's no you know, all those impact forces traveling up your legs. Cycling is very different. You can do, you can go longer. It can be more intense. You can do more of it. And it just doesn't take it out of you the same way that running does. So you could start with adding that fourth day of exercise, but it's cross training. And then once you've built up some fitness, you can say, okay, instead of a a 45 or 60 minute bike ride, I'm going to do a 20 minute run dramatically less than what I was used to, but it's going to be running. And then you can just see how that impacts your body. The other thing that you can do is on days when you do have more energy, you could do your run in the morning and then double with a cross training session. This is a little bit more advanced, but because it's cross training, you're really not going to get hurt on the bike. You know, you you have to be doing something kind of silly to do that. And you know, if you're a runner, you really just have to do some, some easy to moderate cycling. You don't have to do anything super fancy. Uh, you don't need to go bombing down any mountain roads and, and try to handle the bike like a tour de France rider. You know, you can just go for an easy ride in the neighborhood for 30 to 60 minutes. And and that still has a lot of value for runners. So those are a couple different ways of, of, of getting yourself ready for that fourth day of exercise. Uh, one thing I was going to recommend that I'm now not going to, because your work schedule is particularly challenging was just trying to do like a 15 to 20 minute run on your work days, just to maintain a little bit of that muscle memory, just to maintain a little bit of, you know, the, the, the practice of running so that a, you're getting a little bit of an aerobic stimulus. B, you're working on muscle memory. You're exposing all of your connective tissues and tendons and ligaments to that very plyometric action of running. And the frequency of that is very important, even if you're not doing it for a very long time. But because of your schedule and because of your commute, I, I don't think you really have the, the bandwidth even to get in a 15-minute run on the days that you're working. So let's just focus on those other four days during the week. Three of them can be normal training days. And then that fourth one, let's see if you can do something on that day. Maybe it's cross-training. Maybe it's a short run. You don't have to start right away, but over time, you can gradually add that in. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I was thinking about this recently because I was like, I would love to train for a marathon, but I know you're supposed to train five days a week or <laughs> however much that is so hard with this kind of work schedule. But um, I was thinking the most that I could do 
would be on day one of work if I could go to bed a little earlier, because I typically try to be in bed about 8, 39 o'clock anyway. But if I went to bed even a little earlier and got up 30 minutes earlier and did a 15 minute run or something like that, or, or even, I don't know, a little mini workout or something, that would probably be the most I could do. Um, but I don't know how sustainable that would be just with the beating that the job is on our bodies. Cause even so, you know, we're, we're lifting people and doing all kinds of, like you said, physical activity on, on those days. Yeah, for sure. You're not sitting behind a desk for 12 hours. So it's a very different type of, of calculus here. Um, but the other thing too, that, that you sort of hit on there is the flexibility of all this. You could get up 30 minutes earlier, do a 15 minute run, and then just see how you feel later that day. You're under no obligation to continue doing that forever. You can just try it once. I mean, let's be honest, the first time is probably not going to be very fun. It's new to you. You're going to get be getting up even earlier. It just might not be fun at all. But with that said, you could try it for say a month. I'm going to do this once a week for four weeks in a row and then just see how, how it goes. If it's really awful, just skip it. Just abandon it. Because at the end of the day, that 15 minute run isn't doing a lot. But if it is sustainable, I, I do think it's worth it. Yeah, if it's if it's affecting how I'm walking into patient rooms going, gosh, I'm your nurse today. I'm a grumpy pants because I had to get up before 30. Maybe not worth it. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daryl, this was really uh, an interesting conversation, one that we haven't really had too much on the podcast. So uh, I, I thank you for opening up a little bit about your schedule and your training history. I'm so glad to hear that you got into running and racing too. And you're, you're sort of like one of those people that's been bitten by the running bug. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I've definitely been bitten by the running bug and don't plan to stop anytime soon. And thank you for just creating a resource. Cause I've just, this entire time we've been training, we've just discovered that there's no resources out there for people like me. So thank you so much for even just spreading awareness about it or letting me spread awareness about it. I really appreciate that. Oh, of course, Daryl. Well, thank you for coming on the show and good luck with your next half marathon and your future marathon training. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, so I, I picked up running in my uh, adult life. I never did any any track or any running when I was uh, young or even a young adult. I was uh, very. I was athletic, though. I, I did ice hockey in the winter, and uh, I raced BMX in the summer. Uh, that was very consistent growing up. But um, so I picked up running in my adult life. I kind of was, you know, partying a little bit too much in my twenties, and when I uh, backed off on that, I was like, well, let's see here. You know, I had a, you know, m- more health conscious, and um, I got joined a gym, and I saw a treadmill. I was like, wow, I haven't tried to run a mile since I was in high school. And I got on there, tried to run one mile without stopping. And I did, it was slow, but it was, I, I was able to do it. So, um, it kind of just really clicked from there. Uh, just kind of started gradually seeing if I could do that mile faster. What if I did a mile and a half or two miles and, uh, a guy that I worked with at the time, he was training for a marathon. And I was just, that was a new, that was just a new thing for me. I wasn't, uh, I didn't know anything about all that. And uh, so I found out all the, there are all the different distances. So I signed up for a 5k and was able to do that. 
Um, in the meantime, I, I went out to cheer him on, on his marathon. And that kind of was the inspiration to do like a long, the longer distances. Um, so I kind of just built from there, uh, built up to, and built up to a marathon, uh, completed seven marathons so far that it's been a little while, but, um, training for another one now that was, it's been almost 10 full years since my last marathon. Um, my training cycle right now has been going pretty well. Um, I'm at my 18 mile, I'll do an 18 mile this coming up weekend. Um, and everything's been going pretty well. Um, so as far as my work schedule goes, um, it is a little hectic. I work nine shifts. Essentially. I work six days a week. One of the jobs is an early morning warehouse gig, shorter shifts, but I'm still like, it's on average, like 3am to 9am. And then three days a week, I will go to go to another gig and uh, do that for seven to eight hours. So it's, it averages about 55 hours a week. So I have to make some concessions when it comes to my training and my running. Um, a lot of weeks I'll only put in, get two runs in, which is not ideal at all. I would love to do three. Three is kind of my, I would like to do three, but with my, the schedule and the physical demands on my body and me not getting any younger, uh, two sometimes is all I can do. And one of them is a long run. The other would be like a, a threshold run um, just to see, if, you know, how much gas I have in my tank. And then I always, always make sure I lift at least one day a week. And that's lower back squats. I'm religious about my, my, my back squats for the, for the running. Nice. Yeah, well, it's, it sounds like, you know, obviously your schedule is, is challenging to get in marathon training. Um, how are you how are you structuring that during the week? Are you doing your long run on that day off? That's that one pure day where you don't have any work and then trying to fit in the other runs, you know, in that in-between time between your, your first gig and your second gig? Or are you trying to do it on the days where you don't have the second gig? I, yep, exactly. I'll do my long run on Sundays, Sunday, Sundays run day. So I, I never work Sundays. Uh, and then Saturdays, it's kind of nice because I'm done by 9am. So I'll take Saturday after, after my early morning shift and I won't do anything on Saturday. I'll just kind of rest and recover from the long week and make sure I'm ready for my run Sunday. Um, and yeah, my other run, Aside from this week, my schedule got a little screwy, but uh, I usually always have Thursday afternoons off. I'll do just my my early morning job on Thursdays, so I will usually take a nap, and then Thursdays will be my 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 temple run threshold run, um, and then depending on how much energy I have on Mondays, I is my another day where I don't work after my early morning job, so. I'll do like a recovery run, just a nice, easy three or four miles, uh, just to, just to shake the legs out, I guess, from the long run. Yeah, that's a good approach. I, I really like running the day after a long run, even if it's just a short, easy shakeout, just for practice of running tired when you're a little bit more fatigued. Um, I think active recovery is better than passive recovery. So doing a little bit of something easy is better than just you know, sit in your butt on the couch for the rest of the day. Um, 
I'm curious what you think takes the most out of you from just a, a physical energy perspective. You know, when do you feel the most beat up? Is it is it when you do a faster workout and you've been working a lot, or is it the long run with no work that day? Paint us a picture of sort of your energy and, and how your body's feeling. Yeah, the the long the days where I do both jobs really just beats me up. It's it's rough. Um I'm used to long shifts, but before I started this kind of schedule, I've been doing this schedule for almost a year now. Um, so it is kind of a newer schedule. Um, but before when I would do a long day, I would be able to sleep in the next day. Whereas now I will do both jobs in one day and it turns out it ends up being like a 13 or 14 hour day. And then it's a quick turnaround because I have to be back at the early morning job right away, you know, at 3 a.m. the next morning. So that beats me up the most. Are you able to sleep a normal amount when you're going into work at, at three in the morning? No, not, not not a normal amount. Not as much as I'd like. Um, I try to get six hours. I mean, it's six hours I can function on. And then if I do get a couple hour nap before I have to do my, uh, my tempo run, that's ideal. I just, but yeah, it's definitely not, definitely not ideal for the sleeping because I can't get my, myself to, I can't, still can't get my body to shut down and go to sleep so early in the evening. Like if I wanted to get a full eight hours, I'd have to be sleeping by, you know, 6 PM, 6, 7 PM. And I just, I haven't been able to get myself to do that yet. You know, I have kids and pets and lives. So <laughs> yeah, you have a life going to bed at 6pm <laughs> is, is a little strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can't get myself I can't, can't make that work yet. But trying to, I'm curious how much time is in between your your morning gig. So when you leave that job at 9am, and then you're working later in the day, at what point are you? Um, at what point do you have to go back to work? I usually only have about an hour to get from first job to second job. Um, super nice that my second job is kind of a show up when you want kind of. I mean, you, it's just going to be, you're just going to get home later in the afternoon, the later you show up, obviously. But I do have, it, it is nice that um, I can kind of show up whenever I want. But I try to get there earlier, get home earlier, so I'm not you know, there till 6 p.m. Then it just makes for a really short night, eat dinner and try to go to bed immediately, which I don't like to do. Yeah, it, it sounds like you just don't really have time for much else on those days. And even if you did have like an extra hour in there somewhere, I'm not sure I would even recommend, okay, let's let's try to go for an easy 30, 45 minute run because you've been working a lot and you've been up for a long time. And so you're sleep deprived. Um, are, are these jobs where you're going to be on your feet for a lot of time doing physical work or, or not? It is. Yeah. Both of them are physical jobs. The, the, the early morning job is literally unloading semi-trailers. And the job after that is basically delivering, <laughs> delivering packages. So in the logistics world. So um, yeah, it's a lot of on my feet and lifting and carrying boxes. <laughs> Well, you're getting in a lot of cross training, Tom. So if, if there's a silver lining here, you're keeping yourself in shape with your work. So, you know, it's probably not necessary for you to train at the level that that someone else might have to train for the same result. 
just because you're getting in a lot of, uh, you know, you know, low intensity aerobic work, some strength training with lifting things, you know, uh, for a big chunk of the day. So I'm encouraged by that, that it's actually giving you some level of, of fitness there. Um, now that's only three days a week that you're working two jobs in one day. Um, now you said you're running two, maybe three days a week. Is there a day where you're just pretty tired and, and you don't really want to do much? Yes. Uh, unfortunately that <laughs> Thursdays, by the time Thursday comes around, I am, I'm pretty, pretty tired because of the, because of the long, the double on, uh, on Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday is usually the, my back-to-back long, long days. So, uh, yeah, Thursday that after I get off from the, the, the early morning job and I get that nap in that nap is like my, my, my lifesaver <laughs> because I'll, I'll, I'll nap for two or three hours and then, you know, I'll have a, I'll have a little cup of coffee, a little bit of caffeine, and then I'll be, I'll be ready for my, my tempo run. But yeah, it's usually Thursdays. But you, your training has actually been going fairly well, hasn't it? It seems like, you know, your long run has built up to about 18 miles. You're doing that threshold workout you mentioned typically maybe on Thursdays after that nap. Um, so it sounds like you've been able to progress and train at a decent level until now. Are you, are you trying to train more than you currently are, or are you trying to just get more out of the time that you already have available? I think I'm just trying to get more out of the time that I have available. I, I think I've just been, I don't, I don't, I've been very lucky. Like I, I I feel like I've been very lucky, like to not have any injuries, knock on wood. Um, but I've been also, I've also slowed down. I've just, just flat out told myself, you're, you're not going to run as fast as you did 10 years ago. Um, my last, my last marathon was I ran a Boston qualifying time and, and I was super stoked about that. But so I can't, I just kind of told myself that I can't, you, you, that's not going to be a thing. So don't, don't chase that. So I've just slowed down, just super grateful to be able to get out there and, um, I'm not, not going for any, any times right now. So I'm just kind of getting, still getting back into it. And so I think that's helped a lot, uh, preventing injury, just kind of slowing down, just taking it easy. Yeah. I think it's a good mindset to have when your schedule is, is like yours and you can't train maybe at the level that you, you used to be able to train 10 plus years ago. Um, now from an injury perspective, you know, like I said earlier, I think your, your work is actually doing a little bit to keep you healthy, you know, the, the lifting, the staying active, um, you know, you could do marathon training five days a week, but if you're spending 50 hours a week sitting in a bad position behind a desk, that might actually be worse for you than, than having a very active job, you know, cause the, the body really isn't meant to, to sit in a legs crossed position for eight, nine hours a day. So you have, you definitely have that going for you. I love that you lift weights. I think that is so incredibly valuable, not just because, you know, your schedule might predispose you to injury a little bit more because you're doing a lot of your volume on one single day compared with your weekly total. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's also just a wonderful injury prevention strategy in general. And so it becomes even more important 
when someone has a little bit of a variable schedule or if their training necessarily has to be different in that they're doing a lot of training in just one or two days out of the week because that's all that they have. So I think it's wonderful that you're doing that weightlifting. I would certainly encourage you to to maintain that. Um, One thing that I might recommend is, is more naps and really being adamant about that third day of running. If you wanted to work on your marathon time and and actually work on some improvement, because I think, you know, you could maintain your fitness with this current schedule and still run marathons. You know, you might gradually get slower over the years, you know, as we all sort of do over time. But um, the third day of running would just be a little bit of an extra boost in fitness. It helps with muscle memory. Uh, It helps with giving your body exposure to all the impact forces of running, which I think can be helpful from an injury prevention perspective. You know, you're not going to go out for like a 10 mile easy run. You know, maybe it's only three, four, five miles. Maybe you can gradually increase that as, as you deem fit. But that extra third day, I think is going to be really important, especially for marathoners, you know, like it's a long race. Let's, let's be real. It's a 26.2 mile race. And I think it's beneficial for runners to get into the minimum three days a week of running. And then they're, they're going to feel better when they, when they run, you're just going to feel like, Hey, this is something I do regularly rather than once or twice a week. And it feels kind of awkward every time. So I think that's going to be really important. Um, what kind of, tell me a little bit more about the workouts that you do. Um, my the lifting. So for legs, I will just do, I'll do back squats. Um, just pretty religious about back squats. It's funny because before in my time off from, from marathoning, I got into the, uh, functional fitness more into the CrossFit world. And it was, you know, constantly buried. That's kind of their thing. And I loved it. I loved it, but I noticed that the more varied of my workouts and movements, the more, uh, tendency to tweak something here and there. So, during marathon training, I've been very religious about n- not varying my movements. It's uh, back squats for my legs. Um, and then one day I'll just lift some upper body just to, you know, just to balance it out. Not Nothing too crazy. I'll do some bench press or push-ups and pull-ups and dips and um, core work a couple days a week, sit-ups and flutter kicks and, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, it's been, I I kind of noticed that early on, like the whole varying the movements I I've noticed from my body, like I don't, in order to not tweak anything, it just has to be very, uh, common movements that I, that my body agrees with. Yeah. I'm not too surprised to hear that often. Often when you're, especially when you're training for a marathon, your body's just under more stress. And if you start doing a lot of novel movements, especially if they're weighted with resistance, the opportunity to maybe tweak something is a lot higher. Whereas if you're practicing movements that you know really well, you're just being really careful and you're not throwing a lot of things at your body. I mean, look, variety of course is important, but if there's so little consistency that you're not giving your body time to adapt to all the movements that you're doing, then there can't really be too much progression. So, uh, I think you've found an approach that works for you and you've been healthy, especially with the schedule, which, you know, the proof is in the pudding. You're what you're doing is working. So I think that's great. 
Tell me a little more about the faster running workouts that you've been doing. Because uh, it sounds like you're doing some some tempo threshold work. Yes, yes, I have been. Uh, they, what I've been doing, I don't know if um, what you would say for this, but my those runs, I just take what I've been doing from my long runs and cutting that number in half, and that number is my tempo run. So right now it's. I've been doing eight, eight and a half um, for my tempo. And I've been trying to go sub 730 uh, for my pace, which is about two and a half minutes faster than what I'll probably doing this marathon at, hopefully. I mean, I'm I'm not going to try to go any any faster than 10 minutes per mile on this marathon. I just, that's kind of been my, very comfortable long run pace. So maybe if I have race day adrenaline, uh, you know, it might be a little faster, but the tempo runs, I've tried to just go seven thirty, and that's been, uh, that's been pretty comfortable. My heart rate, I want to say, uh, about one sixty uh, for those runs. Okay. Now, can you remind me what's your marathon time? Like, what do you, what do you envision yourself running soon? Um, it's, so I'm, I'm run, I'm running this with my fiance. And so it's going to be very dependent. It'll be her first, which is super exciting. Um, so whatever she's able to do, she has had some injuries in this training cycle. So, um, we were hoping to do sub four, but I don't think that's in the cards anymore. So 10 minute, uh, 10 minutes per mile. I, I, what is, I, don't know what that comes out to be, but that's, that's kind of what we're shooting for. Okay. So what I would like to do is figure out if that tempo pace is appropriate for you. And it sounds like, so if you're going to run a four hour marathon, you know, that's a pace of about nine thirty a mile. So yeah, your temp running seven thirty pace probably is is okay for uh, a tempo pace and plus the the heart rate corresponds to what is likely somewhere close to your heart rate range so i think you're on pace with that um and that's admittedly one of the most effective workouts at building endurance it's also a fairly sustainable type of workout to do you can do it for you know week after week after week without getting burned out or overtrained because it's not anaerobic you know, you're not pushing the effort so fast that you're, you're doing essentially a VO2 max workout. So Tom, for someone like you, I think it's all about making your training as sustainable as possible. You're getting enough stress with your job that that is helping a little bit with fitness and keeping you healthy because it's so active, but nevertheless, it is a big stress. So from your perspective, you know, you should be thinking about number one goal, let's stay healthy. Let's be consistent with the strength training. Let's not push the pace in, in, on my long run or my easy runs, you know, let's make sure I'm fully recovering from those efforts. Uh, I think being consistent with that strength training is really important. Uh, I love that you're doing heavy squats, you know, for, from an injury prevention perspective, squats are probably one of the more valuable exercises. Maybe you want to balance that out with some deadlifts. I'll leave that up to you. You're probably picking up a lot of boxes off the ground anyway. So (laughs) maybe you're getting enough deadlifting, but some of those ways of thinking about your training can be really helpful. You know, like you don't need to run five days a week. 
You don't need to push the effort with every run, but the workout, sure, let's push the effort there. That That's where you can do formal workouts. You don't need to worry about being super conservative with your faster training days. And I don't think you need to be super conservative with the distance of your long run. So you can have a normal long run progression. That's not really where the conservatism comes from. You can be conservative with the number of days that you're running per week. Um, and you can be conservative with the number of faster workouts that you're doing per week. A lot of folks do two faster sessions a week. I don't think you should. I think you're already getting enough stress from your job. So if you can just stay healthy, make sure you're getting a, you know, maybe an extra nap in a week that would make coach Jason very happy about, you know, your training and, um, stay consistent with the strength training. Absolutely. I agree with the naps. That was, um, that's been one of the things that I've been really trying to do. Like, you know, sometimes if, if it's like, you know, 4 PM on a day that I don't work my, my second job, I will be like, well, it's four o'clock. I don't, I shouldn't nap right now because then I'm not going to get to sleep tonight. I've just been saying, nope, I'm going to nap. I'm going to sleep when I can. Anytime I'm tired, I'm going to (laughs) nap. So I have been trying to incorporate that. That's, that's super good advice. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I spoke to um, another runner with a challenging schedule and a suggestion I had for her is if you wanted to focus a little bit more on improvement and getting better, you could start adding extra volume to your week, but through cross training. So you're not necessarily doing more running, which I think would increase the injury risk, but you're doing something like cycling, the elliptical, uh, pool running. You know, those are some of the more specific forms of exercise to running that that could help you with building some extra general endurance that could help your performances. But, you know, look, if you're running marathons with your fiance and your goal is simply to run with her, maybe you don't need that extra cross training. You know, that's sort of like the, the cherry on top. That's the extra that you could do that might have a little bit of an effect on your finish time, just in terms of giving you that extra endurance, that extra aerobic development. Um, and it has such a low injury risk. You're not really going to hurt yourself doing an easy to moderate effort on an elliptical machine. It's really hard to do that unless you're doing something very strange on the elliptical, not the way that you should, but, uh, I I do think some cross training would be helpful. Okay, great. Yeah. But in general, I think you're doing really great with your schedule. You're making it work for you. And one of the things that I like about your approach, Tom, is that you know, your body, you know, where you can push, where you shouldn't push. Uh, I love that you're getting in naps where you can, and that you're also doing the type of strength training that, you know, works for you. You've had some, some mishaps with tweaking some things, doing more, CrossFit oriented things. So you've scaled that back. And I think just being really self-aware of how different forms of exercise are impacting your body is even more important when you're dealing with a, a different type of schedule like this, because, you know, every Wednesday may not be the same for you. Every Friday may look a little different for you. So your training plan is going to be a little different in that it's much more flexible. It's going to be changing which days of the week you might be doing different workouts you might not take naps on the same day. And in that ebb and flow of always rescheduling your training can be a little bit challenging, but it does require you to know your body a little bit better. And it sounds like you're already there. So you're one step ahead of the game. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yes. It's been in this body for just about 45 years and it's still, 
still throws me a curveball every now and again. But yeah, I, I definitely know what works and what doesn't work, and I I like to to stick to the stick to the plan. Absolutely. How long is it until the marathon? We're coming up on one month. One month out. There you go. One month. One month. Well, you're already at 18 miles for your long run. Sounds like you're well on your way. So I know your schedule isn't perfect, but you're making it work. Thanks for coming on the podcast and chatting with me a little bit about it. I hope it helps other runners who have uh, an unconventional work schedule and um, you know, hearing your experience and how you're making it work for you, I think is super helpful. Right on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, they, you can definitely be a, a master's runner with a physically demanding job and still get out and, and uh, put some miles in. It's great. Thanks for having me. And um, thank you for your podcast. It's been a, just a wealth of information. I appreciate it. Awesome to hear, Tom. Thank you. Thanks a lot. That's our show today, my friends. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to pay it forward, please rate and review the show, share it with your running friends or your running club, or invest in a training program at strengthrunning.com. You can also support our sponsors who help me keep the lights on. Use their links and discount codes to support the Strength Running Podcast. First, I know I've talked about my resistance to supplements before and how excited I was to finally find a supplement company that I trust in Prevenex. But what really sold me on their products were two things. First, I took the products consistently for about six weeks, and even though I was skeptical that I was going to feel any actual benefits in the short amount of time that I did take them, I did. I genuinely felt better, and I had more energy throughout the day. But even more than that, I've also seen testimonials from so many other runners on the health and performance benefits that they've experienced to greatly help their running, from more energy, just during the day, but also while they're out there running to faster recovery post-run. I'm a big fan of the multivitamin, which is going to fill your nutrient gaps and needs, and it gives you broad-based antioxidant support to push harder and recover quickly, much more important when you're training hard. But one product I want to highlight today is a product that many runners consider to be the joint supplement for runners. It's called Joint Health Plus. You can read reviews for yourself on Prevenex.com, but to summarize, Runners see meaningful reductions in joint pain and faster joint recovery from workout to workout. So why is this so great for runners specifically? The main active ingredient is clinically proven to reduce joint pain, to reduce joint stiffness, and improve joint flexibility in just 7 to 10 days. Just 7 to 10 days, which is kind of unheard of. And beyond that, it's also clinically proven, not just tested, but actually proven in double-blinded, placebo-controlled studies to protect joint cartilage from breaking down during exercise. If joint longevity, performance, and everyday health matter to you, check out Joint Health Plus to experience the benefits yourself. Visit Prevenex.com, that's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com, and use code JASON15 to save 15% on your first purchase. And best of all, Prevenex has a 100% money-back guarantee. So if you don't feel the benefits, you can return the product, no questions asked. That's JASON15 for 15% off at Prevenex.com. I'm also grateful for the support of Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition super simple. I personally struggle with eating healthy. What can I say? pizza and fries are my kryptonite. So I'm finding their product AG1 really helpful to help me cover my bases, 
to really make sure that I'm getting the antioxidants and the recovery that I need, especially when I'm pushing the envelope with training. One scoop a day gives me 75 vitamins and minerals and whole food sourced ingredients, including a green superfood blend, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and more. AG1 helps me fill in any nutrition gaps in my diet because I know I have those gaps and it gives me a nice boost of energy and focus throughout the day. Now, I've also have three of my kids in school, so I know I've got to support my immune system because I'm no match for those little kid germs. But what I really love about AG1 is that over time, the formula changes. Over the last decade, they've made over 50 different improvements to their formula based on the latest research to make all those nutrients more absorbable for you and the product more rigorous with the third-party testing that they do. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Jason, and you can see the great offer they've put together for our podcast listeners. You'll get a year's worth of free vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. You can sign up for a single shipment if you want to try it, or a monthly subscription if you want to make AG1 a part of your regular healthy lifestyle. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Jason to sign up today. That's our show today, my friends. Support us by using our sponsor links, reviewing the podcast, or getting a training program for yourself at strengthrunning.com slash coaching. And I'm always here to help, so don't ever hesitate to reach out to me through the Strength Running site, or you can message me on Twitter or Instagram. My handle is JasonFitz1. We'll be in touch soon. <laughs>